Let's let's fucking do this shit. All right. Are we recording? Yes. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Thanksgiving. Unfortunately, our previous episode of the idiots uh, did not happen. We had some things come up, and we had to reschedule that podcast. And unfortunately, uh, Boris could not view the movie. It's all good. Yeah, I got home last night. I didn't have got home last night. Time, unfortunately. Yeah, didn't have time to watch the idiots. Just to keep it brief. Yeah. All right. Let me do my summary of the idiots because I d- I did the whole you know I the whole note thing and the whole like you know what I thought of the movie. Great. All right. So here we go. Here we go. Okay. So uh, Lars von Trier made this movie in 1998 called The Idiots. We're going to do a full podcast on it. Boris didn't get to see it. It's what it is. <laughs> I thought the movie was amazing. I thought it was probably one of the best indie movies I've seen in a while, to be mm. honest with you. I think it's the like one of the top independent movies to have the best acting in it. For those of you who haven't seen it, it's obviously directed by Lars von Trier. It's part of the Dogma 95, right? Mm-hmm. Dogma 95, 95 movement. Yeah, that's right. All right. Uh-huh. Uh, it pretty much, it's pretty much about a woman named Karen who somehow becomes involved with a group of people, men and women, mostly in their 20s. She becomes involved with them and becomes part of their community where they play off as sort of, to keep, to put it politically correct, mentally ill people. Okay. They play off these characters so they could get free things, you know, uh, go end up in a factory, a tour factory. They they love each other, literally, quite literally. They have parties. They live in a house owned by one of the one of the guys named Stoffer. He 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 lives in the house that's owned by his uncle and he's waiting for his uncle to sell it. It's an escrow maybe. Who knows? But Karen becomes a part of the idiots. And it's just it's just just this weird, bizarre adventure of like community, love, care, but it also has themes of like how would you say? The stammer. The the con artist, uh-huh. people pretending to be mentally ill. Who who would do that in society? Who would pretend to have some sort of, you know, intentional defect in their brain, right? These people would. So I found the movie fascinating, amazing, probably some of the best independent filmmaking I've seen all my life. I had my beef with Lars von Trier, especially with his later movies. We did do The House That Jack Built. We talked about him then. We're talking about him now. To put it lightly, The Idiots is a masterpiece in independent filmmaking. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, I was moved by the movie. Really? It has moments of like... Well, first of all, there's an orgy scene, which I've never seen on film. I mean, they literally show like penetration on screen. I was like, is this a porno? What am I watching here? It just all of a sudden goes into this orgy. They're like, let's have an orgy. And they all have sex with each other. There's just weird comedic moments, but there's also like heartfelt moments. At the end of the movie, Karen, we finally see why Karen joins the idiots and pretty much her son passed away. And now she's like estranged with the husband. And it's been weeks since they've seen her, since she's joined the idiots. And her family's like trying to adopt her back in. But then there's this weird notion of like not being accepted again and Karen 
pretends to be an idiot, quite literally. She brought along with a friend who's like, come join me as we meet our fa- this family, my family. And she pretends to be an idiot. What does that mean, Nick? She drinks coffee and lets it run down her face. And then she's not eating right. She's like stuffing cake in her mouth, making noises. And I'm pretty sure, who comes out in Marvin Keller? Marvin Keller? You mean the lead? Who's the lead? Samantha Morton. I'm pretty sure she comes out in this movie. Is she? For a brief moment. Either that or there's a woman that looks very similar to her in this movie. But I, I, I couldn't believe it was her. She plays Karen's sister. Maybe it's her. I don't know. But it looked exactly like her. Uh, if we had a full podcast to do it, I would probably search it up. But we're trying to move through this as before we get to Holiday Affair. The Idiots, though. Check it out. I mean, if, I mean, if you're looking for a politically correct movie that sort of delves into mental illness in a, dare I say, proper way, there is no proper way to delve into mental illness, right? Yeah. That's why there's been significant Maybe. cutback in American society on the, wor- on the R word. Right, we don't use that word anymore. The R word is going extinct. It's going bye bye. Right, we're trying to e- eradicate that from our vocabulary. Right, especially with the younger generations. So, if you're looking for something politically correct, do not watch the idiots. This movie might offend you, but me, I thought it was a fascinating human character study. I've never seen a movie like that before. In fact, it was so inspiring to me. You know, I was like, this is what movies should be. It reminded me of, of course, Harmony Corinne tried to replicate that with. Uh, Julian Donkey Boy, he did it successfully, but you can see Harmony Corinne, you know, getting ideas from this movie. I'm like, oh, this is where he got this from. Because what they do with the look of the film, the acting, yeah, you can say they're pretending to be mentally ill and it's offensive, but I'm like, regardless, they are acting. They're actors putting on a play, a part that brings you in. Mm. And I've never seen so much nudity on screen in my life, like full frontal penis nudity. I was like, what? Like full erections. I'm like, what the hell is this? So I was moved by the movie. Nice. Check it out. You know, unfortunately, Boris did not get to see it, but, you know, I would love to hear his thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch it later. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Check it out. Um, I guess Netflix DVD might have it. Netflix, so Netflix DVD, or I don't know, where, wherever the kids get their yeah, movies yeah, nowadays. Yeah, illegally, you know, what to do. And now we're moving on to uh, Nick's weekly uh, Sunday Soapbox. We get, uh, we, we get to hear him have a little rant, uncensored, unfiltered. All right, so here we go. Okay, all right, oh, so boy. I wasn't going to bring right. this up, but Boris put, put, you know, he brought up, you know, the Beatles documentary. Oh, you know? that, that too. And I go, yeah. oh, yeah, I want to check that out, Disney+. Plus. Yeah, this is my soapbox moment. I'm ranting. I don't give a fuck. But here it is, okay? So the Beatles documentary, Get Back, Peter Jackson. I'm excited to see it. The problem is that I'm not going to give Disney another fucking ounce of my fucking pay to fucking pay for this fucking documentary that I've been waiting for literally 20 years maybe, Right? Obviously, I've seen the original Let It Be yeah. on some like obscure form in 2006 or seven, right? I don't know how I came across it, right? But I love that documentary. To me, the ultimate Beatles documentary is the anthology. Check that one out, Beatles Anthology from the 90s. An amazing DVD collection, worth the time if you're obsessed with the Beatles, right? But yeah, dude, I'm not going to be paying Disney another fucking dime to see this fucking documentary. I want the physical DVD. As we, as Beatles fans know, they released the 50th anniversary of Let It Be, right? They did a special LP set, you know, 
outtakes, alternate sides, right? Which they've been doing the past couple of years with the White Album, Abbey Road, right? Sgt. Right. Pepper. So I was like, maybe they'll include the, the Get Back documentary within this set. Or, I don't know, maybe release a physical fucking copy of the movie so diehard fans can watch it in 4K or Blu-ray on their TV. I would pay the 30 bucks for a physical copy. I just don't want to give these Disney fucks another dime of my money. I want to watch it. I can't wait for the physical release. God forbid whenever that is. Asking for something physical nowadays and not digital is like a fucking pain in the ass. I don't think... Well, I mean, there might be, but it's exclusively for Disney+. Plus. Yeah, it's exclusive. Anyway, I was talking to a friend the other day. She tells me the Beatles are overrated. Beatles are overrated. A lot of... uh, This is Gen Z slash uh, late millennial. Yeah. As in my age group, you know, I'm within the last few years of millennial, right? Yeah. Because it ends in 95 or some shit or 96. I don't know. Yeah. Right? Uh, So I'm in the last few years. This is our hot take. This is our head turner, right? This is like, what did you just say? Right? So her and I, we, I go, why are they overrated? She's like, they're just overrated. And I think people, you know, celebrate them too much, right? And I go, do you know what they did recording-wise? They revolutionized recording. Like Sgt. Pepper, they played tapes backwards. <laughs> I hope you said to her with, like, this exact look in your face. You your know, eyes. I was like, they played tapes backwards. They had a Mellotron, you know? They had a Mellotron. You know, they added the Mellotron. The Zitar. They, the, the Zitar, right? George Harrison brought back it was yet. Exactly. Yeah. It wasn't only music. They revolutionized culture. Somebody in my family, when I was growing up, was old enough to fight in World War II, right? He fought in World War II and uh, lived through the hippie movement and everything. You know what he told me one time? He goes, the Beatles ruined everything. (laughs) With their long hair and all their ways, they brought in this new (laughs) thing, and they ruined everything, Nicholas. And I was like eight years old. I was like, okay, all right. So what I'm saying is, it was a movement. They changed everything, the Beatles. They made it okay to do drugs, to expand your mind on LSD and all that shit, right? Maybe they went a little too far, right? Did they? I don't know. Right? Just listen to the the song Flying, right? I don't know. Revolution number nine. Revolution number nine. So, like, they did that. But then in some way, in the late 60s, they, they fucking, they changed it up. They're like, you know what, man? We're not going to be playing tapes backwards and revolutionizing recording. We're going back to our fucking roots with the White Album. You know, bluesy sounds, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, songs I mean, songs like something simple. We were just talking about Rocky Raccoon. Right. You know, songs like Revolution. I know we've heard it all before, Revolution 1, or like The Ballad of John and, and Yoko, which is on Past Masters, I think. And then like Old Brown Shoe, just getting back to basics, something simple, easy. Right, they're replicating what Bob Dylan did because Bob Dylan, after he uh, fractured his neck in that motorcycle accident, he did the basement tapes, and he was like, "I'm gonna go back to folk rock and folk and stuff." While everybody's doing acid and you know, "Summer of Love" and all that shit, so they were replicating what Dylan. See, the Beatles were always trying to catch up with Dylan, and the Stones were always trying to catch up with the Beatles. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Beach Boys, who, in my opinion, could have been the greatest band of all time. We're somewhere in between Dylan and the Beatles because when McCartney heard uh, Pet Sounds by Wilson, he was like, 
Jesus Christ, I want to do something like that. And that's how we got Sgt. Pepper, right? Mm. So, yeah, I know. People say, oh, they're overrated, the Beatles. I disagree. As I've, I was telling you, Boris, even their solo stuff, the uh, let's exclude Ringo. No offense to Ringo fans, but we got Harrison, McCartney, and Lennon. They did their their debut albums, dude, are the best fucking music of all time. Like All Things Must Pass, The Art of Dying, that song with Clapton on the guitar. Uh-huh. You know the um, let's see, Apple Scruffs. You know even the title track, uh, All Things Must Pass. Like beautiful arrangements beautiful songs right and then you have mccartney's mccartney homemade demo tape 40 years ahead of what people you know were doing with recording recording in their home you know simple songs like teddy boy you know and uh or like lovely linda such an easy opening song um or in like the ballad on the on the plastic ono band as mm-hmm. well like that debut album by by john lennon so right. I mean, just the artistry of them, we're never going to see that again, like ever. Probably not. And the fact that they were kind of like doing their own thing and like Lennon, before he died, he was very critical of Bob Dylan because Bob Dylan did that song, Gotta Serve Somebody, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And this was like during Dylan's like Christian phase and uh, he was very critical of him. He's like, you know, you're catering to the conservative right, Christianity, right, this and that. And, like, if anybody's serving somebody, it's you serving these, you know, like, people. You know what I mean? That was, like, during Lennon's, you know, like, he would sit in bed with Yoko and, you know, yeah. beg for peace or something. It was, it's around that era. It's, like, the late 70s, early 80s, right before he died. So he died in 80. So it must have been, like, 79 or something. I don't know. But he was very critical of Dylan, so. Um, but, I mean... I just, when I hear the Beatles overrated, I'm like, okay, all right. Yeah. That's your fucking hot take. I get it. You know, I get it. So, you know, I was just. Well, it's just uh, like I was saying before, they don't really listen to the music in any real uh, detail. It's not like they like go back, get all the albums, get Revolver, get Rubber Soul. No, no, it's. Get Abbey Road. Like, and then they like, sit down and listen like, to the when music. I, okay, when we were growing up, when I was uh, when I was in my teens or right before like childhood and the teens, the Beatles weren't available on iTunes. Whenever iTunes came out, they mm. weren't on iTunes. There was no digital streaming yet. And then you had to like, it was a pain in the ass to download, I remember too. But because of the copyright stuff. But I remember you had to physically buy the albums like i remember buying the physical albums and i remember i was talking to my buddy i go dude do you remember in 09 2009 they re-released all the mono recordings Mm -hmm. and he was like i do remember that he goes i went on about that set i go like yeah dude like that's how much like you had to look for their shit you had to go out buy it physically now it's all on apple music and spotify right we're wiping our ass with the fucking greatest music of all time everything's so available on the phone Right, you can just pull up fucking Prince's discography, which, by the way, he didn't want that out in the world. He wanted Prince was like, you have to buy my physical yeah. albums and everything. Yeah. And then now, since he passed, everything's available, you know. But yeah, I mean, Tragic. I feel I, as we've talked about before, I feel it's better when there's a physical release of something and you have to buy it to obtain it. Yeah, you know. That's true, but again, it's just. Uh... I don't know, man. They don't. They're not thinking about this kind of shit when they say it. They're not gonna like have like a, some 
deep research period where they like go and listen to the music and make notes. Yeah. And try to like actually uh, see the perspective of someone who likes this kind of music. They no. just like listen yeah. to a couple of songs and they're like, oh, they're overrated. It doesn't seem like much it, to me. They're one of those bands where I'm like, you listen to the entire album. You have to listen to the entire Rubber Soul, yeah. Revolver, White Album, front to back. Listen to it because it's special. They're like, they're the opposite of the Grateful Dead. The Grateful Dead, amazing fucking live. The best live music you'll ever hear in your life, in my opinion. You know, I'm a Dead fan, so I love the yeah, Dead. Yeah, right? But their studio albums, don't bother. You know, <laughs> there's a few good ones, like American Beauty, uh-huh. right? Working Man's Dead. There's a few good ones in there. But I'm like, you want to get into the Dead, you want to understand the Dead? First of all, go see Dead & Company. Then listen to the live Grateful Dead album. Get into them that way. Beatles were the opposite. Listen to the albums, but then they stopped touring at their height of their popularity. Yeah. So, um, yeah, This man. always happens, though. It's like people people are still, uh, not still, but they're saying that Seinfeld is overrated, Godfather is overrated, yeah. Star Wars is it's, overrated. I know what like it is. It's because, is... like, we're so young still. Like, our generation's sure. so young. We have information and technology available at our fingertips. And then we're also, like, that's our father's cinema. That's our father's or grandfather's music or whatever you know what i'm saying yeah so i'm like okay i get it that's your way of saying fuck you to the older generation i understand but when you think of american society at the time when the beatles were around at their height which we're going to talk about today with holiday affair american society was so conservative back then that the idea of like where the beatles were coming from and what they introduced we'll never see that again like the not liberal movement they created, but the expansive movement of like free your mind, break out of the conservative norms. Cause the country was really conservative at the time, believe it or not, you know, like our views have changed tremendously within the past 50 years. I mean, for God's sakes, marijuana is legal, marijuana. right? Which I thought I'd never see like marijuana really? is legal, right? I mean, it's just crazy to me. So, Just think about the time period that they were in, which I think people, a lot of people forget. So it's not even that. It's just they're not trying to like it in the first place. They don't care. Like it's like if you got a piece of candy and you ate it, like your first piece of candy was like this, like I don't know, like the first pop song you ever heard, and it was like uh. Candy Shop by Fifty Cent, and then immediately <laughs> it felt good to you. And you're like, mm, what is this? It's yeah, so take good. You to the candy Shop. I'll let you let the lollipop. Yeah. yeah, and then you go back and like you're like, oh, what's good now? And, like you're like, oh, some people, someone says like, oh, your dad's just like, oh, the Beatles, and you go listen to like, what, Get Back or something. You're like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah, what is this shit? And then you go and listen to like, I don't know, like, okay, uh, yeah. Drive My Car, and you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, and it doesn't taste good to you initially. Yeah, you don't. You have to work at it a little yeah. bit. Or like Norwegian not, wood. It's not what you're used to. You're yeah. just put off by like this like. British guy singing about sleeping in the bathtub. You're like, what is? What do people like about this? Yeah. I don't get it. They don't get it. No, they don't. It's it's very. Which, by the way, to our listeners, if anyone's listening still, um, <laughs> yeah. they didn't skip this to get to the holiday affair interview, um, or in, holiday affair uh, review. Um, we're gonna be doing a, a music is dead. Okay. We're, we'll do like a couple episodes, maybe an episode of albums we like and stuff. So, sure. you know, I don't know, but yeah, God forbid, you know. You say like the fucking Beatles nowadays, huh? All right, so it's gonna happen. Right. I don't know. I don't know. just don't get let it get to you. I can't wait for the day when fun, someone like fucking Ash Nico is seen as like 
like an alt-right character or something or you know what i'm saying ash nico yeah the rapper girl like or like not an alt-right character but like a character from the past and like somebody is like looking at them and going like that's what's something my grandma listened to that's so like conservative when we're like when yeah in the future when we have no genders and we're floating around and we have like this weird like headset that's like permanent vr and we're just floating down the street i'm like oh, i think that's boris over there and I'm like 80 years old. I'm like, in my day, Ash Nico was the shit. And, you know. I think we're going backwards. I don't think we're going towards uh, blowing in the sky. Yeah. Or it doesn't have to be Ash Nico. Anybody. Grimes. Uh, 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 Drake. Uh, anybody. Yeah, Grimes. When these people become, like, irrelevant and old people-ish. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right? I know what you're saying. I don't want anybody getting fucking mad at me for naming these people. But, you know, that's just an example. All right? So... Um, we were talking about how conservative American society was at one point. All right, let's get to it. Holiday Affair. All right, this movie directed by Don Hartman, starring Robert Mitchum, Janet Lee, Wendell Corey, music by Roy Webb, and R.K.O. Pitcher, Boris. All right, same studio that did Citizen Kane. Yeah. What'd you think of this movie? I liked it a lot. It's uh, Robert Mitchum, an expected role as a romantic lead. I know. And, uh, he looks weird in a department store, but somehow he makes it work. And he took this role on to rehabilitate his image after getting busted uh, for marijuana, as you said. He got busted modern for day, marijuana? Yeah. Modern day wouldn't be a problem. Everyone smokes it. Yeah. They don't talk about it. How much it. time? Did he do any time for marijuana or no? I don't think so. Okay. But he had the people in the... Uh, before this, uh, you know Robert Mitchum, noir, westerns, war yep. films... Yeah, and um, he had to take on this romantic lead with Janet Lee. I remember Janet Lee. I remember watching a Dick Cavett interview with this guy. Yeah, months ago. Yeah, and he they tried to implicate him in a murder or something. Yeah, like at some town I forgot where, but he was almost implicated in a murder, and he's like, I didn't do that. Yeah, they tried to put a fucking murder rap on him. You don't get stealing. You don't get guys like Robert Mitchum anymore. No, um, just like a real movie star, like a real actor. Someone who has presence and charisma. Yeah. Um, looks like he could fix your sink. No, dude. He looks like he can fix your sink and then kick your ass for your sink going out in the same scene. Yeah, yeah. And like, as a person, he was just like a, led a tremendous life. Just exciting and just lived by his own code. No, yeah. I think a lot of those guys back then, they lived by their own code. Yeah. And him making this movie is as far as you could twist his arm. Yeah. And even it's not that bad. It's just, it's a good movie. Yeah. But also Janet Lee, Janet Lee, yeah. young Janet fantastic, Lee. great um, pre-psycho Janet Lee. Yeah, about 11, 11 years early. Yeah, and uh, she just has a face for close-ups. She can just like hold the screen. She can, and not a lot of people can do that. No, she's kind of like an Audrey Hepburn. Back then. Yeah, Audrey you know? Hepburn, Joan Crawford, Joan Crawford, yeah, any of those old dames, you know, can <laughs> hold the screen. And, uh, oh, the plot of this, according yeah. to IMDb, is a young widow is torn between a boring attorney and a romantic <laughs> oh near-do-well. So it's, she's pretty much, you know, it's around the holidays. It's mm. uh, This movie was released in 49, so they probably filmed it in 48. Sure. It's an RKO picture. Um, the reason I say that is because RKO made Citizen Kane, and you can see some of the sets, in yeah. my opinion. There's similarities. Like, they reused some of the sets. There's an office shot where I was like, I think... I think like uh, that was I think Orson Welles stood in there and delivered a speech from Citizen Kane. Yeah. So, hey. 
you know, uh, yeah, it is bizarre to see Robert Mitchum in this role. You know, his, I mean, his most famous movies are uh, Night of the Hunter and Cape Fear, in which he plays a menacing character. Yeah, this could be a prequel to Night of the Hunter. It could be. It could be Night of the Hunter, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, w- the way he takes uh, hold of this family in this movie. Is, it is weird, isn't it? Yeah. I think the psychological makeup in this movie is fucking bizarre. Yeah, it's weird. It's very bizarre. Uh, Janet Lee meets Robert Mitchum in a fucking toy store. Uh-huh. And what is she, a consumer shopper? Comparison shopper. Comparison shopper. That is so 1940s. Yeah, it's very... This is so pre-technology. Yeah, now it's, she's, she's been replaced by literally the Honey app. You know the Honey app? No. Where you, you install it on your desktop and it compares prices for you from all oh, the websites. Wow. She, she literally got replaced by an app. So a comparison shopper. Story she, of uh, this decade. Story of everybody story this of decade. Story of I know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so Janet Lee meets Robert Mitchum at a toy store. He's selling toy trains to children. And he's very charismatic with very the kids. Charming, yeah. He's charming. He's smiling at them. His boss, this uh, weird skinny guy, menacing reporter, oh, yeah. is like snapping at him, like, "Hey, man, you better sell some trains out there, dude. It's the holiday season." And Robert Mitchum's there, flashing a smile. He sees Janet Lee. She buys a toy set train from him. Mm. Right. She then tries to return this toy set train. Turns out that she's not supposed to do that, and Robert Mitchum realizes that she's a comparison shopper, and yeah. instead of turning her into the loss prevention people so they could take a photograph from her, literally his words, they're going to take a photo of you and put it on the wall, we're yeah, going to ban yeah. you from here, right? It's very soup Nazi-ish, right? It's very, uh, <laughs> why didn't you go see the parking services? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, instead of him turning her in, he's like, I'll let you go. And he gets fired. And then he gets fired immediately. He gets fucking fired, poor guy. Yeah. So upon that, Janet Lee feels bad. And they kind of hit it off in this park scene as we're watching. They hit it off in the park. Yeah, it was a, it's one of those connections. You just immediately get along with somebody. You immediately get along with somebody, yeah. Um, Aren't those great? Yeah, I, miss, I fucking miss feeling that. Yeah, me too. I'm so hardened and bitter. Uh, feel the same way, I'm yeah. Fucking distant from anything human connection. Well, yeah, people are just uh, boring now or something. They're fucking boring. They're fucking stale. I have dumb opinions about the Beatles. I got um, but yeah, they have, we? They have one bitter. of those intimate, <laughs> immediate connections with immediate each other. connections, which we don't have anymore. It might society. be possible that because of technology, it happens less often now. It happens less and less, I think. You have to be physically around as somebody to have this type of connection. Now they would see each other on the Bumble app. Even if Janet Lee was on the Bumble app, yeah. she'd be like a Raya, maybe. That's for like rich people. But like, uh, she would okay. see him, and then she'd be like, I don't know. He wants. He has a dream about building boats. This guy's what? Building boats. Building boats. I need a man. She's like, I need a man. You the know? job, She's career. a comparison shopper. She's in love with like, this attorney lawyer, right? The big issue yeah, with the they've attorney. They've been dating for two years. They've been, yes. Okay, we're going to get to that in a set. So right. Janet Lee and is it Wendell Corey, right? The yeah. guy? Yeah, yeah. And Wendell Corey have this sort of relationship of like they've been together for two years, but they haven't been together. Yeah. He wants to marry her. Guys, this is the 1950s, late 40s. This is post-war America. So in my opinion... Um, I'm not sure if she's hooked up with this guy. I'm not going to assume things, but this guy's been waiting in the wings for two fucking years. Well, you have to assume for two years. You think he's you think he's given her stabbing years. by then or no? That's what these people call it. That. <laughs> Don't walk away. <laughs> well, I'm asking you this. I didn't know people said that, but anyway, I assume so. I assume not even in the 40s. 
They would be chaste until marriage. Yeah. You think they waited till marriage or no? No. I'm saying no. They didn't wait. I'm they saying it's infrequent. With. I say it happens yeah. every uh, two months. He's been waiting in the wings for two years. And he's yeah. like, I want you to marry me. In a beautiful scene in the kitchen, they're washing dishes together. Yeah, yeah. He has an apron on. Yeah. He's like, how about, you know, we work well together. Let's, let's you know, expand upon this, you know. <laughs> and then that. she's a little like, you know, she's a little hesitant. She's like, I don't know, man. You know, I got my boy here because she's a widow. She has a son. Yeah, yeah. You know, Timmy. She's still uh, hung up on her ex, not hex, but late husband. Yeah, well, he died. died in the war. Right? In the war, right? So, yeah, when people die, you sort of uh, see a lot of uh, glorification. You sort of glorify who this person was when they were still alive and not see any of, any of the bad parts. You see the good parts. Yeah. So she, like, glorifies this saint of a husband who died in the war yeah. as a martyr. And then Timmy. And no one can compare. The The in-laws even say he looked like, you know, the husband or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then Timmy. There's a little Timmy. Timmy. Like, oh, fucking Timmy. Little fucking I love Timmy. Timmy shit. had that weird, like, Ron Howard slash, like, uh, Shirley Temple face. Yeah. You know, kids like, oh, were boy. More, kids were more mature. Were they? Back then. It seems like, yeah, what, what is he, like six? Or they seven? say he's six, but he acts like he's ten. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's a lot more mature. He's, open, he's opening, like, and you gifts. you see kids that age now, and they're fucking monsters. They're just running around. I think children are just monsters they're in just, general. They're just in stores. They're running them like, They're ice cream, ice cream, ice, ice cream. Ice what cream. kind of ice cream do you want? Ice cream. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't tell you. And you pick the wrong one, he starts crying. Yeah, that sounds like my ex-girlfriend. Just like, ice cream, ice cream. Like, what do you, what you want? I just want ice cream. I don't know why you're yelling at me. <laughs> the Fucking... Beatles are the greatest band. <laughs> you don't get it, do you? You don't get it. <laughs> I like the Beatles just fine. No, like, no. Fine. The best. I'm like, fine. I'm like, fucking like Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire. I'm like, fine. Yeah, he's freaking so, out. So that kid, Timmy, yeah. you say he's a pain in the ass. I love him. No, he's fine. He's an anchor in the family. Yeah, yeah. He's Janet Lee's linchpin. He... Holds the story together, and he's this wall, literally, between her and the attorney. You know? Yeah. There's that scene where he's trying to pull him pull him away from the mom. He's, he's trying to like, reprimand him. Trying to reprimand, trying to discipline him. It's not going down like that, man. She doesn't What do you think of that it. scene when Robert Mitchum finally meets Wendell Corey in the room? They're in the room together. There's that awkward scene. Yeah, it captures that perfectly. Like, you know that. Have this ever happened to you? You're out of town. Which you do sometimes. And you're, uh, you run into someone you know, a co-worker who happens to be a woman, and she's on a date. And the date immediately gets insecure about you being there. You're not leaving immediately. You're hanging out. You're making small talk. Yeah, it's weird. You're making inside jokes. Yeah. And the date is immediately insecure. No, it's weird. I've been on both ends of that, And actually. resents you being there. It's weird, yeah. That's what that energy is. The guy resents is. you being there. Yeah. No, I've had that happen to me both times. It's weird. I'm, I've been on the receiving end, and I've done that. Where I'm like, yeah. oh, hey, what's up? And then I like walk yeah. up. And like they're too familiar with each other. And the guy they're looks comfortable. at you. The guy looks at you. Yeah. And he's like, who are you? I'm like, I'm the coworker. Yeah, yeah. And right. you almost want to say, look, man, I'm not into her. Yeah, it's all yeah. Good. You know, I'm bitter. But you're kind of enjoying. <laughs> I'm alone. You're kind of enjoying their insecurity. I'm like, I'm a divorcee. Don't worry. I'm a mess. Hey, look. <laughs> She wants nothing to do with this. I'm a mess. Look at this face, you know. But yeah, he he doesn't buy into that. He's just and then also I've been on the, I've been, no, yeah. I've been on the receiving end of that too. Where I'm, I'm like, who is this? They're like, yeah, he he was in a movie, and I'm like, who? This guy was in a movie? I'll tell you after who I'm talking about. But it was great. I didn't get bitter and jealous, but I got like, I was like, you know this guy? You know this guy? This guy was in a movie at what age? You know. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's weird and awkward. And Wendell Corey, I think he handles handles it well. He's on the, two years dating this girl. Yeah, yeah. 
And believe me, in the 40s and 50s before internet and technology, two years? It's a long time. It's a long time, man. Yeah, and um, out of nowhere, you act the girl you've been dating for two years, brings a man home, and he's taller than you. Handsome. And the light on his face like falls perfectly. It does. And he's charming. And like, charming. He, he gets along with the kid better than you do. He may have beat like a murder rap or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's mysterious. You don't mysterious. know what he's up to. He's very mysterious. And for some reason, the kid, who you know longer... Yeah, he turns on you. Yeah. Fucking turns on you. You're like, who? You little shit. I've been in your life for two years, and you're looking at him like he's your uh, father. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. But yeah. So there's a lot of um, interesting chemistry, not chemistry, interesting uh, dynamics and yeah. emotions in this little holiday movie. No, you're right. When you showed me this movie, you go, "We're gonna do Holiday Affair." <laughs> I'm like, this movie? Yeah. This rinky dink post. World War II American movie where all I see is happiness and, gee, son, how are you doing? That kind of stuff, you know, like tall, white, beautiful white people in cardigans and fucking smoke jackets and beautiful people. Yep. And I'm like, this movie? And then I watched it, and I'm like, this movie's 30 years ahead of its time. It's 20 years ahead of its time. Janet Lee is an icon in my opinion definitely she's like handling like all these emotions perfectly and like she's like it's almost like infidelity but not really it's, it's like great, an emotional connection yeah it's a great shot oh i, I love that it's yeah. very it's very like uh m m yeah, or yeah, like yeah. very like the third man dude they should have had orson wells uh-huh. the detective orson wells should have played nowhere out of nowhere dude he like yeah. turned around he's like i'm here because you were with a man in the park uh so, yeah, like the themes in this movie are like so ahead of their time. And you're like, this movie was made in the late 40s. Like, why weren't other movies like this? It almost makes you think like it was challenging the norms of modern American society at the time. Sure. Well, they didn't make any money, so probably. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Well, yeah, like this sort of, uh, these sort of themes and dynamics still exist today. You oh, just of course. Have, you just have like uh, the trappings are different, you know. Yeah. You just you just have to replace it with like a trailer or something, maybe. Or, like, a trailer. It can take place anywhere. A trailer. This kind of movie can take place anywhere. In this no, it, these things still happen. Yeah. But they're happening in different forms, obviously, due to technology. Right. And I think that I don't even know how the fuck people are in relationships. I look at people now. I look at couples. And I'm like, I don't know how the fuck you're in that. Because yeah. why? Because it feels like everything is going against you nowadays. Finances, sort of. Like finances. Sort of. Trust. Yeah. Fucking trust. Trust. Yeah, maybe. Like, it's got finds everyone can trust, like, and you're fine. Fidelity. Porn. A constant pornography on yeah, your phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're in a sick fucking world like, right now. Cell phones. Like I can literally text my ex girlfriend anytime I want. Will she respond? Who knows? But there's that worry. That That's the worry. <laughs> uh, maybe. But there's always a constant human connection going around, and it's easy for other humans to become emotionally connected now due to our technology. Yeah, you didn't have that back then. You had to like call them. Yeah, call them. You had to see them. I was going to mention before, like Janet Lee and Robert Mitchum go on an impromptu dates in the park. And you don't really see that happen anymore. You think that that seal exhibit, is that New York City or is that RKO? It seems like RKO. Yeah. I don't think they actually got out there. 
No, I love the big that. cameras. For anyone who's just listening, they're like, I don't know what they're talking about. There's this beautiful seal, like seals in the park. Seal looks of it, Where people yeah. can feed them. It's supposed to be like replicate the zoo or something. I don't know. Yeah, like park. I think something. there was Central Park, right? Central Park. It's supposed to be Central Park. So back then, I guess they had seals roaming around. I've never been in New York City. Maybe they uh, do have seals roaming gotta around. Go. So. We got to go. I haven't done anything with my life. I look at my life Boy. and I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck have I done? We're uh, taking a turn here. I know. But movies are dead. Check it out. Listen to it whenever you can. Yeah, throw us into here right now, hopefully. Yeah. Fingers crossed. We love you. But uh, anyway. Yeah, there's a there's a human connection here that doesn't yeah. happen anymore because of technology, all that. It's a beautiful also because, human connection. Yeah, there's not... I, I, I there's, don't know how to describe it. It's warm. Right. It's a very warm movie at times. But then um, there is a willingness to connect with another person that doesn't really exist anymore. Now you sort of have to like have people vetted any different ways, look for the red flags, look for the green flags. Christ. And you're, you're sort overwhelming of overwhelming me, Jesus. <laughs> I'm overwhelming you? Yeah, you're, I'm, it's taking the other way in, around. I'm taking inventory right now. <laughs> no, but it's just the like, only well, 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 thing I'm saying is that it's harder to form a connection because for some reason we're so we're more closed off. Yeah, we're dude. scared of uh, being vulnerable, of getting exactly. parts of ourselves away. Like, have you ever sat there and been vulnerable with another person? You can't do it anymore because they it's don't do so, it back, dude. And they get uncomfortable if you do so it. It's so fucking hard. Yeah. Like, especially if it's someone with the opposite sex, boy or girl, whatever your take is. Sure. It's so <laughs> hard to be vulnerable, uh-huh. like with another human being now. And like, if you say something that makes you vulnerable, like what you said, red flags. Right, it's 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 weird. It's like this mind disease that's overtaking us. Right, we're walled off. We're closed off. Boris here's gonna light up something. Oh no, he's charging something. I thought you were gonna plug that that uh, dinosaur uh, Godzilla decoration we have here. Um, but yeah, it is very difficult to be vulnerable with another human being. I enjoy being vulnerable with a human being. If anybody, if he's an avid listener of movies are dead, may God bless you. But I try to be vulnerable on this uh, podcast whenever I can Um, because it's difficult. It's hard. We have to put up walls and masks wherever we are nowadays. And you got to say the right thing. You got to smile. You got to not smile. You got to be staring at the phone, not not awkwardly staring at the ceiling because you're thinking about what the fuck happened to your life. You know, you got to always put on a mask or face. I think it was worse back then, but somehow... It's strange. I don't know. The conformity was uh, worse back then, I think, but I think we're more walled off as humans. We're more critical now as humans, I think, of each other, which I think we have to let go in order to grow as a country, but... (laughs) As a country, yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just, uh, what is it? uh, I don't know, man. No, I I know what you're saying. Don't don't be... Yeah, the internet's bad for people. That's what it is. It's bad for people. But it's also just refreshing. It could have been great. It is great in some ways. It's great because you get constant pornography on your phone. Sure. If you're into I pornography. mean, you can look up how to build a chair. You can look up how to build a chair. I have to originally. You can, you can, <laughs> you can learn chair. how to talk to human beings. You can learn how to. Uh, you can learn how to do anything. You can learn how to get a girl to fall in love with you, or get a boy on, to fall in love internet? with you. On the internet. You can just Google it. I think how to get I don't, my boyfriend it, to uh, love sure, me. Or I don't something. know if that's useful, but sure. Or a girlfriend. Uh, anyway, uh, what we're talking about here is you get down to it is that there's a connection in this movie that you don't see anymore. At least we don't. Anyway, um, what was I saying? Get back to the movie. It's a, it's a, it touches on something that's not common anymore. No, man. Feel like 
I don't know. I mean, things are things are different. We're just having a hard time. We're coming at a different, a difficult time for humanity, very on a difficult. very micro level, in that we don't have to struggle. At least yeah, we weird. do for yeah. food or shelter. Yeah. yeah. But for other things, emotional needs, mental health, we're just fucking dying out here. Man. We're dying. We're fucking yeah. dying. It's out weird. Here. Yeah, we've got the basics covered with yeah. like food, shelter, water, electricity, modern plumbing, and yeah. now we're like, but when I'm inside, I feel like. I want to end my life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so it makes you think. Yeah. Like, we got yeah. that covered. Then we need to get the other stuff covered. But yeah, I agree with you. This movie's warm. It's amazing. Yeah. It's refreshing to see Christmas in black and white to me now. When I see movie, like Christmas movies in color, it's like so like powerfully lit and bright and too much. When I see a black and white Christmas movie, it puts a smile on my face. There's some originality to it. Even like the toy train set in the beginning of the movie at the oh, end yeah, of the movie. Oh yeah, and the last shot too is amazing. It's a beautiful last shot. Yeah. The, that last shot where it's New Year's Eve, we focus on Robert Mitchum. Then it's Janet Lee and her son moving through the cars, right? They're going, they're going, retracting, retracting, retracting. Yeah, yeah. They finally meet in the middle. They embrace. They don't kiss though. I don't think they kiss in front of the boy, do they? Um, I'm not sure. They have that steamy kiss in the kitchen, remember? Yeah. Rob Mitchum's leaving, says goodbye to the kid, and he gives her one last smooch, and she's uh, she's head over her heels from that point forward. I swear. I admire her so much. I don't know why. The character in this movie? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know why. She lives a very dignified life. There's something very ahead of her time. She has a very nice apartment with not much money, I well, I think her like. husband, like... Maybe I don't think did. they really left you money if you're like a dead soldier. Yeah, they paid you. Yeah, yeah, paid like you a pension, like, like some sort of monthly like pension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can't yeah. be that much though. Anyway, she she has a nice place. She does. Nice big tree. Do you think Christmas looked like that back then? You think it looked and felt like yeah, that back yeah, then? Yeah, for sure. You can do that. Cause it's still. I love like yeah. when they're decorating the tree, or there's another shot where they're like in front of like a department store, and there's like a droopy Christmas tree. And this is a great scene where uh, Robert Mitchum just. Uh, yeah, he's tells like, everybody he's like, that. I want you to marry me. I think you should marry me. Yeah, so direct. Look at that. This fat small tie. You can't do that anymore. That'd be a big red flag. Dude, dude, if you told a woman at dinner who you just met two weeks in front ago of, in like, front yeah, of her family, yeah, I want you to marry me. Her boyfriend. Jesus Christ! Somebody would live stream it. Somebody would make a TikTok out of it. It would be memed. It would be fucking disgusting. What would happen? Your character would be lost. You'd be fucking me too you would lose your job everything would go downhill yeah. why because you're being fucking vulnerable for five seconds and that's why i'm not vulnerable yeah there's like all these social norms you have to adhere to and they just keep us caged yeah i don't know if all of them but some of them do. i don't know if the illuminati's keeping us caged which reminds me our next movie's gonna be eyes wide shut so okay. i'm excited for that one yeah but um i guess like if anyone listens to this podcast they can tell that we are both uh Struggling along. We are struggling along. We rant. And we're, we're pretty we're like. Jealous. We're, we're really, beautiful humans. We're like a halfway through our lives. and Are we? We're not even halfway through. We're going to live till 105, I 110. Don't think so. We're going that long, I bitch. Don't think we're so. going far. I'm going to see this country go down in flames. I'm going to see this world explode because God shoots it down with a fucking AR 15. Oh, okay. Or Let's wrap it up. I, do you want to go into your Ridley Scott stuff before we go? or? Uh, Yeah. Let's do it, man. All right, so as I was complaining about earlier, get back, you know, what you <laughs> do? people hate the Beatles or they say things to get the Beatles, you know, under people's skin, you know, they say mean things, but. I mean, just so, don't listen to them because they have yeah, no I know, I know. validity. It's a hot take. What are you going to do? So uh, Just mark so them down Ridley as stupid Scott. in your book Here and just we move go. on. Ridley Scott. Oh, Ridley Scott. 83-year-old Ridley Scott. Yeah. 
Here we go. Let's pull up the article, Bobo. That way. Essentially, he was talking to Mark Marin. Yeah, Mark, he was Mark talking Maron. to Marone. Maron. So. And uh, and Mark Marin's always he was like, uh, why do you, why do you think the last duel didn't make any money, man? Yeah. So just keep in mind, Ridley Scott's out there promoting his other movie. Uh, House of Gucci. House of the Gooch. Keep in mind, guys, Ridley Scott is 83 years old, okay? So, even if he wasn't. According to a Consequence of Sound article, right, Ridley Scott blames millennials for the last duel's box office flop. He said, millennials do not ever want to be taught anything unless you told it on the cell phone. All right, he's saying this because the last duel drew in 4.8 million domestically from a hundred and million dollar budget in October. Okay, so yeah. I saw the last duel. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised it only made 4.8 million dollars because the movie itself is a it's long, b it's a period piece, c the story can get lost on mass audiences. Keep in mind, guys, the movie is told from three different perspectives. Literally, they're doing it in vignettes. People don't have the patience for that, okay? I get it. But they want one keep, Oh, wait, before we go back to see that set right there they're using? Yeah. That's that's the Citizen Kane set, I'm pretty sure. That's where uh, Orson had that, uh, where uh, Orson would conduct business. I'm pretty sure that's it. But um, I thought that's where he met with his, with his lawyer. After there you go. I was going to say, yeah, the attorney. The attorney. Yeah. I think, I'm pretty sure he lives in there or uh, his office in there. Yeah, yeah. It looks similar. But anyway, um, to to put it into the words of Ridley Scott, this is what he said. I think what it boils down to, what we've got today, are the audiences who are brought up on these fucking cell phones. The millennium who do not ever want to be taught anything unless you told it on the cell phone. So, yeah, we are millennials. I watched The Last Duel. I thought it was a great movie. I even texted you. I said, dude, The Last yeah. Duel is a great movie. And I hate, I hate period piece movies, medieval movies. I can't do it. Get the fuck out of my face. Yeah. Right? So like the Mary Queen of the Scots, I was like, why am I sitting through this? Right? That movie, The Favorite. Shoot me in the fucking face. Hey, I like I The Favorite. Favorite's good. Through. It's a good movie, but I was like, oh my God, it's so boring. The Age of Innocence, boring. I love Barry Lyndon, right? But these period pieces, they just put me to sleep, man. The last duel had me thinking the whole way. The themes of the movie, fidelity, infidelity. Do you believe the woman? Do you not believe the woman? Do you hate Adam Driver? Do you believe Adam Driver? Do you feel bad for Matt Damon? Is Matt Damon not a good guy? Ben Affleck was the best part of that movie. He plays literally a drunkard king who has lots of fun. He has orgies. He is amazing. He's a character. He's unhappy with his life. He's in an unhappy marriage. He's trying to find fulfillment. I thought it was one of his best roles that he's done in a while since Argo. Um, So, look, Ridley Scott has a point. He has a point, right? But he's an 83-year-old man, okay? All right. Look, man, I hate my generation too, man. I get it. I get it, dude, what you're saying. We don't want to be taught anything outside of cell phone. But believe me, there's millennials out there like Boris and I that enjoy movies. Yeah. So to write, I know he's doing like a mass market sweep of our generation, which I love to do, by the way, with Gen Z and our generation. But, you know, I'm still hopeful and optimistic, obviously. I don't agree with Ridley Scott. I agree with him on some points where I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you might have a, a point with attention spans because your movie was literally two hours and 30 fucking minutes, right? It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine for me and you. And people are watching Squid Game. like, like. Yeah, but, but 
but they can they can pause it and they can go their armchairs. They can pause it and they can go jerk off and eat cereal. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, but it's like he's right. I don't know. What do you want, man? <laughs> he's right. I know. I mean, uh, back in the old days, you used to make a good movie. Maybe people would see it. Now people, it can make a good movie or a great movie. People are not necessarily going to go see it because they have a million other things to do that they prefer. You know, you know, they can get an edible, go to the park. I know. They so, can go get wine with their friends and have brunch. And I agree. Be like a homeless guy outside, and it'll be like, oh, Candace, look at that homeless guy. I know. Like, do you think it's mental illness or drugs? And I'm like, I don't know. Let's just keep moving on here. You know what I'm saying? Sure. <laughs> but now people, especially after a pandemic, you present them with an idea of a period piece with uh, actors who are not necessarily, you know, getting all the millennials and Gen Z unbothered. Um, except for, like, you know, Adam Driver and Jodie Comer, Pastor Prime, if I may say. They're not gonna go see that kind of movie. I know. And it's just I, like yeah. it's sort of a. When I watched the movie, some people talked throughout the whole thing, and I was like, okay. Yeah, and people are useless, but also people. The movies that make money now are you know big. Yeah. Epic, epic. Marvel movies. Yeah, I know. And what else makes money? I don't know. Like cheap, like five million dollar horror movies. That's that, true. That were like made in like a month. And uh, that's what it is, man. I don't know. If you want this kind of more adult, more uh, oh, traditional sort of entertainment, you have to like go to streaming services or just, you know. Hopefully the algorithm passes Get a Criterion channel <laughs> a subscription and just watch them on there. Just watch them on there. Because yeah. they really aren't going to make them anymore, especially when they lose, what, $80 million? Maybe. Not more. Yeah. It, I mean, this movie lost a lot of money. Yeah. Like, it's not even million, taking account of marketing, all the publicity. Yeah. All the distribution uh, distribution costs, it's just not going to be good, man. It's going to get worse from here. It's going to be pessimistic, but that's the way it is. In some way, I agree with you. Take it or leave it. To continue buddy. Ridley Scott's quote, he said, this is a broad stroke, but I think we're dealing with it right now with Facebook. This is a misdirection that has happened where it's given the wrong kind of confidence to this latest generation, I think. Yeah, that's a good. That's, uh, that's there insightful. is there is something to that. The entitlement, the fact that our opinions matter, the fact that it's all about us. Yeah, yeah. Like people um, bring it back to the Beatles. I guess is like when people go, Beatles are overrated, and they like seem like really proud of that opinion. Like it's the first per like they're the first person who ever thought of it. <laughs> Stupid. Like they're like fun to, like fucking like Hunter S. Thompson in like the seventies, and they're just like some sort of like truth teller. No one's ever thought the Beatles were overrated before. Wow. And people have this, but about everything in their life. About sandwiches. McDonald's. About, sure, <laughs> about McDonald's. That's another one I've heard. Sure, about like everything in their lives. Politics, oh, history, music, art. They have this sort of like entitled opinion that they what do. they say goes. This is and it, it's the only thing that matters. I agree. And I don't think that was as common before. You would have debates and conversations with people. And now if you don't think the same way as that person you are not just wrong but you're bad and no way. you're Something either like moral ethical no you're you're a a libtard or be some alt-right white supremacist that's yeah, where there's that's some where something in between gone. yeah or sound like uncultured swine that just yeah. doesn't know what's good for them maybe yeah but anyway it's just um yeah i enjoyed the bit he said about pauline kale about like um was that in that was that in your article or mine 
the one I read was like about how she wrote like a four page review of Blade Runner that that torch pieces oh, and he was yeah. offended that he hadn't met her before and it's like you don't always get to meet you don't get the to meet the critics who are, who are writing about your movies which yeah. i thought was very cute it was a very funny idea um but did she watch the theatrical she saw the theatrical yeah, cut, yeah. which is oh, like, it might have been why. Not a good cut but even then it's not probably wasn't worth what she wrote about it and uh so he had the review framed and it's in his office apparently that's good motivation yeah, I am. Paul and Kale hated, hated a lot of great movies, so it's fine. yeah. She likes some good ones, you know. I don't know, but yeah, we've touched on some great things here. I mean, everything from yeah, yeah, what, the uh, Beatles overrated. People are gonna call like the fucking straight jackets on us. They know, should like, get guess. the straight jackets on us. They're gonna call like a mental hospital. Gonna be guys dressed in white coming in any minute now. Yeah, not a bad idea. I could use a break, yeah. We could both use a break. Our brains are fried, I think. But it doesn't matter, though, because movies are dead. You got to keep going. We do have to keep going. Forever. Remain optimistic out there. Ridley Scott has a point. I disagree with him a little bit. But you know what? He has a point. I disagree. Boris seems to be in the same I boat. agree. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like at a certain point, you're trying to be too cynical or pessimistic. But you look at what's around you, and it's what can you do as a person, as like one individual? Yeah. What can you do against this uh, onslaught of marketing yeah. and streaming yeah. and just mediocrity that's all around you? You just have to, you either A, conform. And I'm part of it. <laughs> Who is a part of it? Me. How? Like the job I do. Oh, uh, yeah, that's not part of that. producing okay, all right. mediocrity. That's no, not. Go to that. Daily. I know. <laughs> you... <laughs> <laughs> You're right. And think, your job, I won't mention what it is, yeah. but you at least contribute to society. I know. In some I actually way. feel at the end of the day of my job, I feel fulfilled and happy and, That's good. and actually grateful. It's, it's very nice. bizarre. I've never had that in a I job. I miss that feeling. I, I don't get it. Okay. All right. Well, you're we, going to make that face at me after your entire tire. No, I'm trying to see what else I'm trying to cover here. I'm like, you, all right. You did like that Jerry Seinfeld, like, okay. Like, uh, oh, the, yeah, you did that. That one? Yeah. Who is that? Who is this? Who is this? Yeah, we, we gotta do something that tickles their bind bone, Jerry, with a van. Seinfeld's van. Seinfeld's van. But yeah, um, you see kids all the time going Seinfeld's overrated, which is like, well, yeah, sure. Well, you know, don't don't watch it then. I mean, don't watch Friends. There's two people in this world. There's people that love Friends or love Seinfeld. I love yeah. Seinfeld. I mean, like the you people get all these that love people. Friends. Those are like softies. They're weak. Yeah. They're spineless. Yeah. They're not cynical. It's all hunky dory. Look at me, shit. Seinfeld. It's for true people. Now it's like. People who are going like, uh, people, uh, people have like the most stupid opinions and ideas about life. I won't go into it, but <laughs> I'll just leave it there. All right. I wanted to see if I had another article, but I didn't. Okay. So holiday affairs concluded and Beatles rant, Ridley Scott rant concluded. Um, we're doing dismal December. This was the first movie, a part of dismal December. It was dismal Even for though, uh, Carl. It was what? For Carl. For Carl. Yeah, he doesn't have. He gets broken up with, and oh, that's right, it's Carl, for, yeah. uh, Dismal Carl December Mitchell. for Carl. Yeah. Yeah. So, this movie kicked off Dismal December. It's gonna be a holiday affair. Eyes wide shut. Fania Alexander. Oh, so yeah. next week is Eyes wide shut, which is, when I think about it, gives me anxiety. Does it? It gives me dread. I see a lot of you in that character. There. That is me. Yeah. That is me. That Tom Cruise character is me. Like your wife would tell you about previous experience you had. And I'm and like, you why to am like I hearing this? Leave the apartment. I know. I'm just like, why am I? 
Why am I hearing this right go, now? Going in the street, go like. I love, dude, I love when he's like slapping his fucking gloves and then those guys push him into the trash cans and they call him the F word, you yeah. know? Such a great scene. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for Eyes Wide Shut. Me too. Stanley Kubrick's last movie. Should what a way be, to go. What a way to go, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a yeah. great way to go out. Very skeptical about that, by the way. After doing a movie like that, you just die after you make a movie like that. Yeah. <sighs> It's so sure a conspiracy there. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, he was overweight, obviously, and he had a heart attack. It's fine. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. So uh, keep guy. listening. Uh, as uh, some of our avid listeners know, if we still have any, in January, <laughs> we're doing our annual one-year celebration. One-year movies are dead. We're going to talk about how it changed us, how it changed the movie experience for us, you know, if it did change us, you know. It's going to yeah. be great, man. I'm excited. We should do a live podcast here. We should here. get some guests. We should get three guests. We should get some t-shirts and hats. Yeah. One year movies are dead. It's coming up. I can't believe we actually stuck with this fucking thing. Uh, but I love it. And of course, I love you, Bobo. You know that? Yeah. I love you, too. And to all our listeners out there, thank you for listening to another episode of Movies Are Dead. Happy holidays for Movies Are Dead. Keep in mind, we have a tremendous backlog of episodes. Uh, what are they, you ask? Prince of Darkness, The Matrix. I can look it up. Um, yeah, what's the, the, the demon lover? Bad Lieutenant. Bad Lieutenant. How's every card he'll cry? Bad Lieutenant. Um, I can't do it. What else do we got back there? Mighty and Nikki, I which I just Mighty rewatched for the second oh, time. Really? Fucking Jesus, that movie, dude. Such a good movie. We'll talk about it in a second, Bobo. Um, what else do we got? Uh, Minia Moscovitz. Cassavetes is our god. Yeah. Duh. Hello. Body Devil. Body Number Devil. one podcast yep. we've released. Yeah. So there we go. Check them out. Check out the back episodes. If we say right. something offensive, it's because the modern norms have changed. We love you. We're Be mentally ill. Please <laughs> forgive us. <laughs> Please don't cancel us in like yeah. 10 years. Yep. We're mentally ill we, right we're now. We're not right, yeah. But we're hey, not, man. We're obviously not right. <laughs> we're not Patrick. right. Like, that should no. be the slogan of this podcast. <laughs> we're not right. But we love you. Stay safe out there. Bye. Peace, love, and Brittany. Goodbye. <laughs>